This isn't a fucking conspiracy. This is real life, and people are fucking dying. and rumble as well my guests today are dana and mortis we're gonna get into spooky stuff I'll label this peeking behind the veil because that's kind of the term i've been using lately because we're gonna get into spooky stuff that uh when you start really digging into conspiracy stuff it always seems to be that extra layer you when you dig a little bit deeper and the, the satanic cults serial killers stuff like that starts poking out and you go what the fuck is going on here start thinking you're losing your mind uh, and that's when you start to get to real schizo territory, and that's where we're going today. I do want to remind you guys how this works. This stuff comes out typically, unless it's like current events or for some reason or another, I you know we're doing a live stream. But that's usually fairly rare, maybe every other week or so, uh, tops. Uh, but usually you guys get this about a week early if you're a patron, and uh, that's patreon.com. So no way, Jose 2020. Lowest level is two bucks. Uh, the highest level is my sponsors. I read them off every episode. I have Toad who's my co-host on Tower Gang, at Tower Gang Toad, at Abrogate D's, then Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area, then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K, then at underscore Infinite Zeal, then I also have Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Anarchy podcast, and you can follow him at Biblical Anarchy, uh, and then I have Tim Tuttle, uh, at Jollyline Klebold, who's actually the one who made that intro, that fucking banger, uh, and then I also have at Stinky Sock 420 he's a singer of the band Bender, like a metalcore kind of band, pretty dope stuff. I also have coming up here soon. Technically, uh, I'm just this hasn't started yet, but I'm giving you guys a little bit of a heads up. Uh, I'm gonna be this is gonna be my sponsor, and we start doing ad reads. I'm letting you guys know though, the reason why is because my five dollar and up guys, uh, you're gonna be put in for a monthly giveaway uh, for I don't think it's two two bags if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, so if you guys want to get in on that, you want to get some free coffee possibly. I mean, there's not a ton of them, so I mean that's a pretty good deal. So uh, you know, pretty pretty good chance you get it. So just let you know, and you can also support me. And then also, if you want to go ahead and go there, uh, you go to foxandsons.com. You can support people that support me uh, and other other content creators like me. Uh, but yeah, with that, let's go ahead and get uh, get the, get our in, uh, guests in here. And let's let's get to it. What's up, Mortis? What's up, Dan? What's up, Ben? Hi. What's up? Uh, this is the first time I've had both of you on here. Uh, either of you really so I think it would make sense if you know you guys just kind of let the audience know who you are what you're about kind of what your interests are 
uh, kind of what makes you tick. Uh, I guess we'll start off with Mortis and then we'll end with Dana. Okay, cool. Uh, well, uh, so uh, let me make sure my mic is aimed at me. There we go. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so my name is Jay Mortis. Uh, if you follow me around on probably on X, that's where I've been doing anything. Uh, I, I've dipped around in conspiracy circles for probably see what I'm about to be 40. So yeah, about five years shy of that. Um, pretty much my whole life. Yeah. And, uh, see, remember the Oklahoma city bombing as a, what was I third grade, fourth grader. I was a fourth grader. Yeah. Dang. Didn't remember that as well as I thought, but uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, I just get into esoteric stuff, uh, a lot of religious stuff. Uh, I come from like an evangelical Christian background. So I, I throw in a little bit of like the, you know, Bible prophecy stuff as far as, um, current events stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm just a dork that likes to read and has a really good recall memory. So yeah, you're, you're from Oklahoma, right? I'm in it right now, brother. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were born, were you, were you nearby when the bombing occurred or? Uh, I, I live up in Tulsa, so I don't, okay. I don't live in the okay. city. So, but, um, funny story enough is, um, I did meet Terry the, uh, I believe it was the fall before the, the bombing. So, oh. cause he was, cause he was part of dare. And so Derek came out to my school, to my class and, you know, telling us about gateway drugs and uh, about making good choices. And, you know, Terry didn't really do a lot of talking. He was just like, I guess the one other cop representative, the other one was, I believe some white guy from the uh, Oklahoma highway patrol. And he was the one going, well, actually blah, blah, blah. And he's reading off all the stuff off his clipboard and stuff for the, uh, for the dare class. And then Terry was like, Hey, what do you guys do? What are you into and stuff? And we were all playing basketball. And he started playing basketball with everybody, and uh, it was pretty pretty cool, really nice. I I I remember him just because like, hey, it was that really nice cop guy. It's like a cop that I because I didn't used to like cops uh, as a kid, and he was one of the first ones. I'm like, oh yeah, he's really nice. I guess they can be really nice people, and then you know, yeah, I'm generally what happens? a huge fan of fan cops either. And ironically, yeah. that's kind of become like I guess sort of my thing between OKC is is pushing mm -hmm. for that but like i always mm -hmm. like to bring up uh people like especially in my circles which tend to be like anarchists libertarians whatever yeah uh, you know the saying is always like the only good cop's a dead cop and like well okay well this one's dead so what does that tell you uh yeah right <laughs> you know, like well you know i always like try to bridge that as like you know the, the the only good cop is a cop who doesn't have a job because we don't need him that's yeah. even better. Yeah, I like to go with it just to be on the positive take about it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a libertarian myself. Um, if, I'm I'm not really political. I'm apolitical. But if I was going to stick with the party, it, it, I would go lib anyways. Which yeah. is weird because Oklahoma is like almost a gold state if it wasn't for all the corruption and nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even a yeah. libertarian LP guy either. Uh, I'm like yeah. if anything anti mm -hmm. that. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Give a shit. But generally, oh, speaking, not you know, not national. Kind of, yeah. No, no. We yeah. we we wait we. <laughs> Uh, we wasted our time uh, voting voting for JoJo, and I was like, "Why am I even voting? She's not going to get it." So what's the even yeah. point? You know, I'm generally just a voting's gay kind of guy. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I've never but, I've never been a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I don't know. I just feel like the amount of time my evenings probably more valuable than whatever math. I could probably almost mathematically make an equation of like value. And like my afternoon is probably worth more than whatever infinitesimal difference my vote will make in that fucking in that uh, in that election. Um, trying but, to try, trying to parkour off the parkour over the side of a wall is a lot more like good you know investment of time than than voting. Yeah. All right, like Dana. Into the wall. Oh, sorry. yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good, Dana. 
Um, my name is Dana. I am Rotting Jewels on YouTube and Instagram and Dana Duda on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I guess, a major noob to all of this because it was like a year and a half ago. I saw that Dildo Gaggins meme, the wrestling meme with PTK where he's knocking the dude out. And I was like, well, that book looks good. And then I saw his meme with Aberration and PTK and I said, okay, I'm going to order both. And there was a lot of crying involved, and now I am the most noited researcher out there. <laughs> um, I focus a lot on uh, Process Church of the Final Judgment, um, and I'm in the long game right now of making the argument that A, Iran-Contra never ended, and B, Iran-Contra started with the Brotherhood of Eternal Love and is heavily involved in the Son of Sam crimes as well as the Manson crimes and involves human trafficking. So. Mm. Yeah, uh, both Program to Kill and Aberration will have the effect on you. I have not physically read, read Program to Kill yet, just to give that caveat. I know there's a lot of book snobs out there. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm always the kind of guy who's always reading one book, but I'm always doing audiobooks at the same time, too, because oh, I'm yeah. a manual laborer, so I always have something in my ears listening. I found an audiobook of Program to Kill. I haven't gotten around uh, to uh, to that. Like, if, if you can see right there, there's a giant stack of books. That's my stack of books to get to. This, is, this computer is on a giant stack of books. Uh, so I have a gigantic stack of books to get to. I'm always reading physically some book. Uh, so whenever someone's like, oh, you should read this book, you're like, okay, well, I don't know. I'll have to figure out to what priority that's in. Uh, right <laughs> now I'm reading, uh, was it uh, the Hoffman OKC book, which is pretty decent. So get into that. But point being, uh, I have I did the audiobook, and that still was like, holy shit. Uh, and then Aberration I've read. And yeah, both of those books will do that to you. Uh, definitely make you noited. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, it's funny. We were talking about like libertarian stuff. This show has slowly become straight up just a parapolitic show. It started out as like a libertarian theory show, but the OKC mm -hmm. kind of sent me down that rabbit hole of like just going into one thing over another, which I was thinking about that today. And I think it's just cause like libertarian theory, generally speaking, like it's fairly simple to understand. And like, once you understand it, it's a fairly unified theory. And so it's like, yeah, you can keep talking about that forever. But then once you get into the like parapolitics world, you can go on so many fucking rabbit holes and it fucking makes you schizo shit because it always seems to connect. Like I literally was just, I, just before this uh, OKC book, I was reading, um, I was reading about, because uh, all the Israel stuff had kicked off around the time. I was reading about like the creation of Israel because I wanted to kind of get a like a better understanding of that. And then I was starting to, uh, what other book? And I think I read something else. And I, I like immediately this, like this, I started finding about like the Sabbateans. Cause then I went to, and like just everything, everything always seems to fucking connect. And it, it, it really will drive you nuts. Um, but with that, I wanted to start off with, we were talking, I was talking, I don't know if you were in the, in the, uh, you know, before show, before, when I brought this up to Mortis, but I, I've always wanted to kind of dig in more. And he was, uh, Mortis was saying, you've dug into this a little bit, Dana. Have you dug into old Oliphants uh, or Oliphant or however the hell it's pronounced, his little cult? Because that was uh, the first one, I think, that where I really started peeking behind the curtain of like, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, I don't know if that's ringing a bell to you. I mean, if not, Mortis, I, I don't know if you want Jesus to take people. that question. Huh? Oh, the Jesus people. The Jesus oh, yeah. people. Well, 
The Jesus people is such a complicated movement because there's a lot of different groups that are falling under that sort of uh, cloak or guise. So my angle coming into that is obviously the root of what I found. It starts in California. Uh, everybody thinks like MK Ultra, Manson, you know, academia, all of these college campuses. That is where a lot of these movements start and none of them are organic in my opinion. Uh, I think that this is... Uh, MK Ultra in a smaller scale where it's behavior modification group control and then testing out these different theories um, and obviously integrating religion in different ways. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, most of my research is focused on the process church of the final judgment right after the Charles Manson crimes. In my opinion, they're trying to run away from California, but what we see them do, because they have four deities, uh, Lucifer, Satan, Jehovah, and Christ, uh, they go ahead and move into their Jesus freak movement. And so they are, you know, standing with the actual Jesus people, the Jesus freaks. Uh, and then obviously the children of God were kind of doing the same thing because the children of God also called themselves the Jesus freaks and the Jesus people before they went full uh well, I mean, I'm sure that they probably were doing human trafficking, but before they just went mask off with the human trafficking angle. Uh, so I think that nailing it down to just one group in particular, I I see it from a strategic, like operational sort of standpoint. Yeah, which I, if I, I can't remember all the background of Oliphant, but yeah, he glue like the sun, mm -hmm. uh, which is a common, there's always at least one. And I, I guess that brings up a, an interesting point because I didn't mention the Sabbateans a second mm -hmm. ago. And uh, I, for those, I guess this will be coming out right after my Jew Tunnel episode, which this one may, depending on how dark we go here, may or may not go up on YouTube. The Jew Tunnel episode is only on Rumble for those who are uh, wondering, uh, want to catch that. But in that, with the uh, we, the Sabbateans, their whole thing was that uh, it was essentially like a messianic uh, Judea Judaic movement, like a Jewish movement. And essentially their idea was this Sabbate Zevi guy, and then later uh, Jacob, Jacob Frank, or Frank, whatever his last name is. Uh, it's Jacob they, they Frank. Both, yeah. yeah, they were both claiming to be the Messiah. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and in that, and I guess in this, within, the, they had this belief system that because of this, during the messianic times, it flips morality, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, the, the law is essentially invert. Uh, and so that kind of indicates to me, maybe some sort of, uh, um, organic component to it. Uh, but although I, I can see both and like, I could, and, and so I guess, I don't know to what extent if Sabbatans even really have any play in modern day i mean I, that'd um, probably be a whole other deep dive uh but the kind of the point i'm getting at is the component of like whether something's organic or inorganic uh is is the and i, I did leave out a point for those wondering the the sabbatans too big part of their thing became infiltration they literally converted to other religions yep. sabtai zevi originally converted to islam later uh frank converted to catholicism and they both in you know kind of infiltrated those areas uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, that we're just kind of fed like behavior to some extent. Uh, but my point being is it seems like <laughs> that was organic. So now we, so the organic versus the inorganic, uh, and like, what is your thought with this stuff? Do you think there is an organic component, uh, you know, and, and more so than just the dupes that get duped by it? Like, you mean, like, I mean, the people who may be more in the know, like, is, cause I could, I've kind of tried to wrap my head around this and I'm not a religious guide for those of you, you know, right. I'm, uh, I consider myself an agnostic atheist. I don't claim, I don't uh, claim to know there isn't a God, but I don't necessarily believe in one either, but I'm really be surprised either way. Uh, but, um, 
my point of getting is like I can kind of wrap my head around how there could be a re- essentially a religion of power. These elites kind of coalesce around this idea and mm. buy this religion or whatever mm. it is. Uh, they essentially, you know, cement their power. They like centralize their power and, you know, essentially have dirt on each other. They degrade themselves. Uh, and as such, that is kind of the key to their power. So a religion of power. Now, like, mm. I don't know to what, like, have you really, do you feel like either of you really, that there's some sort of organic component to this or is it all fed stuff? I, I kind of think it's like, a. I, I have a feeling that it might be a little bit of both. Neither one of you guys. Well, <laughs> um, I would say human nature is probably the organic component, like our characteristic of pride and ego and greed. Um, and I think that some people, uh, you know, if they are seeking a higher knowledge or opening their third eye, whatever you want to call it, spiritualism, uh, I think that that would be just sort of innate inside of us. I think that the other things that you're talking about in regards to uh, power, control, blackmail, things of that nature, uh, those those parts are inherent in all of it. Uh, and I mean, this goes, you know, you can go back to the Vatican, you know, the Vatican has their dirty little hands and everything, including the process church of the final judgment. They were, the Vatican was backing them uh, and helping their PR campaign to do the whole Jesus freak movement. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that it's less organic in that sense. And then once these people that uh, seem to thrive in this role and they have no problem degrading others and humiliating them and blackmailing them and they can somehow manipulate them out of all of their money, then those people are given some sort of protection or are targeted and sussed out by the powers that be. That way they can thrive. Okay. Yeah, Morgan, do you have any thoughts? Oh, I got a lot, dude. All right. Uh, <laughs> y- y'all saddle up. All right. So the Sabbateans... Uh, from what I've gathered over the years, just, and this is, this is going to be like the quickest dude off the street, redneck version of what it is. But the Sabbateans were basically Gnostics and they were Turks. Uh, Shabbatized V was Turkish. He was Turkish and Jewish, but he was, he was from Anatolia and Turkey. And uh, when the Ottoman empire, basically the caliphate had gotten control over, that's when the party was over and he decided, well, I uh, guess I'll convert or die. Well, I don't want to die. You know, even though he was supposed to be the uh, returning uh, Mashiach, was a Ben David. Yeah, it would have been Ben David because what thing of it is is in Orthodox Judaism they don't really consider they consider Jesus Christ a, a, a an idolater, so they never accepted him as the return. You know, like the Messiah is here. You know, they never accepted him. Um, which there's a big connotation between Christianity and Catholicism specifically, but then later with Protestant Protestantism and you know Martin Luther. You know, there's like that's where you get all the, you know, Martin Luther's anti-Semite, you know, that's where you get all that sort of stuff. Cause it's, it's really, they're, they're not supposed to talk to each other um, because of some of these connotatious issues, but back to the Sabbateans, what they were doing is they were, they were kind of coming off of what the Sethians and Valentinians and other Gnostic sects of the, between the first and third centuries were doing, which were basically, they, they, so I guess they really would require um, like a definition of Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the belief that uh, in creation, that there were um, divine shards of God that are hidden in, in, in the earth. Uh, those would be like souls. And so people who incarnate into the earth, um, basically that like to free the divine spark and to ascend, 
you have to like be anti-materialism whatsoever. Like, you know, this world's no good, blah, blah, blah. And what they believed is that um, Yahweh was actually a, a figure called the, uh, more or less known as like the, uh, the Demiurge or the, uh, I believe in old mm -hmm. Greek, coin Greek, it would have been Demiurgos. And uh, he would have been basically like the, the slave master, like the trapper, like, oh, you forced us to be in material bodies. And this is basically like, it's a total inversion of reality. But, mm -hmm. but they're taking materialism as, you know, as a form of like punishment. And so this is why they do all these things that are the opposite of the old uh, Torah laws and Judaic laws. And, uh, you know, like there's the dietary laws, there's the decency laws, there's the marriage laws. They throw all that stuff out the window. Uh, they they worship whatever God they want to because, you know, they believe that um, that their Messiah is already there. And the, and the leader of the cult. And so Sabbatai's V shows up as that guy. Now, interesting enough that um, I believe, and I'm not quite sure about this. I'm trying to, I'd have to actually pull up the tab and go look it up. But I believe he came from an actual, uh, a Christian order. Yeah, he came from a Christian order before, um, or he, he dabbled. I forgot. He was in a space where they, uh, they had a little bit of mixture of Judaism and another like Christianity. And uh, so he was taken for a little bit from column A, column B, when, you know, 1666, he decides, oh, I'm the Messiah. And he, he announced himself. And uh, he had a big cult, and a lot of people really believed him. I mean, like, they had Jewish leaders worldwide at the time, like, were giving him, like, I guess would be the equivalent of millions of dollars now. Um, so he was, like, the, the big faith healer guy. And then when he didn't, you know, he didn't break bread, and he didn't make it right, and he ended up converting – well, then, you know, they kind of fell off and they're like, well, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's another guy. And then 100 years later, this guy, Jacob Frank, says the same thing. Oh, I'm the reincarnation of Zvi. Because uh, in Judaism, a lot of times, a lot of people don't know about this. They're much like Hindus. They believe in um, a process of reincarnation called Gilgul, which is basically the redefining of through the fire and the furnace. Um, that gets kind of thrown around a few different ways in Christianity and other uh, Judeo-Christian, Judeo I hate saying that word, but uh, types of books. But, um, yeah, that's what, that's what they believed. And, uh, yeah, this is kind of, it's, it's, it's a lot of Babylonian stuff. They already had the Talmud going on at the time. They already had, um, the concordance, uh, around 500 of Maimonides' decisions, but in all the conversations between the rabbis where they're quoting, uh, Tanakh scripture and the Torah and they're you know, making decisions upon what does this actually mean and what is permissible and all this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the Sabbateans are that, and it's it's a lot older than I mean, as far as saying like it glows, it I mean it glows by firelight if it it does, um, because it's like it's old as hell, dude. You're talking 1600s, and then this is around the same time that you're dealing with, um, gosh, I guess you'd be dealing with the 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 big emergence of Masonic lodges around that time too mm -hmm. in the in the West and in England. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Jacobin, yeah, the Jacobin uh, society, um, a lot of Jesuit societies were popping up. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, a incredible time to be alive, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's but the, yeah, the Sabbateans though that's that's what that is, and it's just basically it's an inversion of the Jewish laws and customs. Um, so if it says don't eat pork, you eat all the damn pork you want. If it says thou shalt not commit adultery, you commit adultery, and you go further. You you could you can get away with killing somebody uh, in their uh, their cosmology of their cult, and uh, 
kind of to touch on what uh, Dana was talking about, about the Jesus people thing, uh, where I see like a big, this is kind of like my own inference of it. Um, I believe that there's a lot of cults in the Southwest around the same time. And a lot of them are just copycatting, bing, 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 because they're all getting paid by the same people, essentially. Mm -hmm. The same corporations and the same uh, somebody who worked for a military organization, but he's just a guy in a jean jacket. I don't know nothing. He just sells me LSD, um, that kind of vibe. And the drugs helped um, that whole – it helps to obfuscate the connections. But when you get down further into it, it's almost all of them, it seems, are – part of this greater op and then a lot of people forget about this and i have to i have to turn on to um the program to chill episode about the azusa street revival and uh jim jones and oral roberts where um jimmy fallon gong is actually recording the episode in the praying hand statue up here in tulsa at the oral roberts university and uh brings up the fact that Oral Roberts might have been a paid asset for an MK program. And it makes it even worse because you read MK Subproject 84 was the um, was about studying uh, religious experiences and unexplainable religious connected behavior, like speaking in tongues and, and all these other things. And they wanted to figure out what was going on in the brain to make that to happen. And then how could they harness it and control it? And mm. that is around the time that, you know, well, Roberts got his Cadillac and, you know, went all over the country and started making some money and they had to start brushing his diamond rings out of his, his photos and stuff, you know? So anyways, D I have a lot of conversation about that. ID before we had, yeah. DID before we had a, uh, before we had a word for it is what it sounds like. Yeah. The methods to developing DID, dissociative identity disorder. Uh, I know this one for those listening, this one's going to be a little bit more schizo and you may not be follow. I know your little, uh, diatribe on all that stuff. I followed most of that. Uh, like, I mean, I don't have like deep knowledge, of most of that, but I followed it. I know the audience may not, but uh, gives you stuff to look into later. Uh, there's definitely a lot going on, but yeah, because I know for those who don't know when it comes to MK ultra, which is what kind of where we get into the DID dissociative identity disorder stuff. The original lore was that it was that the Koreans were conducting like torture. And when they got back and they were essentially, you know, doing mind control or some nonsense. Uh, and, you know, essentially giving up state secrets or, or making up lies about stuff that we did over there. Come to find out it's the exact opposite. And we actually did do those awful things. Uh, I think it was like biological weapons or something. I can't remember the specifics. Uh, but and then it kind of makes you wonder, like, well, where did they get these ideas to begin with? Since it wasn't from the Koreans, it was essential. Obviously, that was just a scapegoat, a reason to uh, pursue this. Uh, so... I mean, that is kind of like makes you wonder, like if that the this whole phenomenon does have roots behind it and they just started formalizing it more. Uh, and this was just their way of doing that. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I know this is kind of your realm, too, Dana. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point as far as the origins of, you know, MK, Artichoke, Bluebird, the predecessors to MK, uh, because, yeah, it was biological warfare. Uh, you know, we pardoned everybody from Unit 731, uh, including General Ishii, uh, and, you know, they, they were doing things that might be a controversial take, was a little bit more barbaric than the crimes that people generally think of from that time period of that war. Uh, but that's just my two cents. Uh, however, we did pardon them. We wanted their, uh, you know, medical secrets. Nobody really wants to talk about that. Most people don't even know about Unit 731, which is completely nuts to me. Um, but people like Dr. Louis Joylin Jolly West, Dr. Margaret Singer, um, 
when they were working on collecting the repatriated POWs and bringing them back to the States, the way that they got away with that was they had them on the naval ships and they were torturing them on the naval ships. So they were in international waters. There were no eyes. There was nobody to really do anything. Uh, they basically cut off all the radios, kind of like they did... Um, with the anthrax scare when they were forcing all of the servicemen to get uh, their vaccines. It was kind of the exact same thing. Um, and then that's how they documented their research when everybody came back. But then, you know, it comes out later on that we were doing those things. Um, and I mean, God only knows how many people died on those boats. You know what I mean? Uh, but as far as the predecessor to those, I mean, if you look at some of the funding, especially from the uh, Rockefeller, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, they were funding a lot of eugenic research. Uh, and I mean, we were doing it in the States uh, and they were also funding it in the UK as well. Uh, people get really uncomfortable when uh, it's like, hey, they got their ideas from us. <laughs> and especially yeah. in California, uh, California was really leading the way in eugenic research uh, in particular, but also the Rockefellers were funding it. Uh, there's an argument that, God, why can't I think of his name? Mengele. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. you know, an argument that the Rockefellers were funding some of Mengele's very early research before oh, the war they? as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were they? Yeah, that I'm actually that's a topic I'm going on to another show later this week about. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get the nitty gritty on that. Uh, that should be really good. Uh, oh, the, you brought up eugenics and that uh, I've heard I've been I mean, I always I've listened to, you know, a bunch, a, a, quite a bit of your, your shows. And I know a common topic that comes up in like cults and on your show specifically, Dana, is homunculus. Now, I'm trying to get an idea of like, what do you, what do you think they're even getting at with humon homunculus? And uh, I don't know if you I, I mean, you can give the woo, woo explanation, but like I'm assuming you probably have like a non woo, -woo explanation. And I would assume this is probably tied up in eugenics in some form. Because uh, I mean, from my understanding of hum homunculus, you know, especially in the past is the idea of essentially creating a in, in, an entity. Uh, I mean, there's I've heard multiple different explanations of what a homunculus could be, uh, but that it seemed to be some sort of minor obsession uh, with a lot of different cults is creating hum homunculus. But I guess I try to you know put put on my hat of like what could that really mean? And I I would assume that means some sort of eugenics create some sort of created person quote unquote whether that be in the form of like. Uh, I know a lot of people know with, or, you know, some of the people more in the know with the Epstein stuff. No, he had, was like literally had almost borderline breeding farms where he was trying no, to they were breeding farms. Humans. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they weren't borderline. They were straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you, what, what are your thoughts on homunculus? Like, what is the, like, what is their woo woo explanation of it? And, and do you think there's a more real world world explanation of what they're getting at there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the woo-woo explanation that I'm most well-versed in is, uh, you know, Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard, the narrative of the Babylon working and the quote-unquote failure of the homunculus moonchild. Uh, I am on a labor of love to try and prove that the late Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino was actually the homunculus moonchild, uh, but that that was a selective breeding program through Lewis Terman. Uh, some people may or may not know Michael Aquino's mother, mother Marion Dorothy Elizabeth Ford, a.k.a. Betty Ford Aquino. She was one of the first gifted kids under Lewis Terman. He was a staunch eugenicist out of Stanford, big time, um, big time eugenicist. Um, and so 
the woo-woo part is they're in the desert doing, uh, you know, months-long sex magic rituals, and they're going to summon the Whore of Babylon, and, you know, it's going to create the Antichrist, basically. That's all a short story, in my opinion. There's a really strong argument that Marjorie Cameron, the Babylon woman, and L. Ron Hubbard, a naval intelligence asset, that they were targeting Jack Parsons, and he was a mark. Um, in regards to the eugenic angle, uh, I think... Outside of Epstein, if you're even just looking at some of the weird transhumanist technology that we have now with these artificial wombs, uh, and that is major selective breeding, the selective breeding on like a completely depersonalized, I mean, it is depersonalized anyway, but a majorly depersonalized scale. I feel like there's no human ele element to it. I think that's a modern day homunculi. Um, I have a feeling that they're going to have a really hard time because, you know, they just announced what Elon said. That they just did the first neuro Neuralink uh, chip into somebody like he killed all of the monkeys. Yep. He failed every single time. And it's crazy to me that someone volunteered for that or opted for that. Our brains are so incredibly complex. People have been trying to recreate this since time immemorial and they fail. And that's why Elon killed all of the monkeys. And that's why they didn't really do human trials. They just gave him the green light behind the scenes right after the monkeys died. And he infected the brain chips that was were supposed to be sent back. They couldn't test them because, you know, what? Oops, I spilled them in a Tesla factory or something like that. It's completely ridiculous. So if this person survives, I don't wish ill upon them. I hope that they're okay. And that would be great. But I think that the uh, artificial womb, the creation of a human being that you're assuming has some type of soul and has this that they've been trying to recreate I think it's going to be bad news, but that's like the modern day homunculi, in my opinion. It's all it's all eugenics. It always goes back to eugenics. Yeah, that's what I figure. There's usually a non woo explanation. I mean, at the end of the day, they were they were they were just fucking. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, like, it's not that complicated. <laughs> so, well, uh, see, so like actually, if I, if I can jump in on that because I got a little bit of background about it. So like like and I had to go look up the definition of a, a homunculi. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be a small human being originally depicted as small statues made out of clay. Uh, if you know much about like a song about a certain kid's toy that it's made out of clay, it's kind of a similar concept. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's really, it's from the same origins. It's dreidel, actually, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's what I was going with that dude. No, but it's, it's actually, it's older. It's B Babylonian. But what it mm -hmm. is, is it's the same concept as a golem. And a golem is basically like Frankenstein's monster made of, made of, uh, dirt or uh i mean like mud or in frankenstein's case body parts or whatever and it's in it's uh someone like a, a sorcerer or somebody can take a disembodied demon or spirit or whatever and put it in it and then because it has control over the entity it can use the entity to control the avatar right like a, it's basically like a cyborg or a robot basically but before we had metal parts for those so and like like Jewish mysticism, a golem would be if you couldn't find a Shavos to do things on Sabbath, then you would make you would have the, the local um Goy. I don't know how well no 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 that, that's what Shavos is. But if you can't find a Shavos to do that and you don't have any slaves, oh, you yeah. can't make them do that. This is what they said in um in um uh, uh Zohar. Um that I'm trying to remember exactly because it's been so long since I read that. 
Okay. Yeah. That you basically, you would have a local wizard or something, but it's religious. I forgot what the exact word of it was, but it's a, it's a high priest who specializes in that and they can make a golem for you to do one important task or something like for like, you know, sign up to sundown and then sundown it, it goes away and then it's no good and you can't have it anymore. And you can only do that so many times a year or you can only do it once a year. You have to do it every 365 days or whatever. It has to do some weird stuff with um, the Yom Kippur ritual and some stuff like that. It's, it's tied into it. But anyways, um, well, it's interesting enough. And I, I brought this up to Dana before, I believe, um, when she was covering Parsons. Because, you know, like I started being like, oh, Parsons, let me tell you some stuff I know about Parsons. And um, but one thing that was kind of interesting that people don't really know a lot about is whenever they detonated the first atomic bomb at um at white sands arizona at the uh, trinity test site they actually had it encased in a glass vessel that was pressurized and that has something to do with creation and um breaking the veil breaking the glass ceiling man i just <laughs> just gave myself some willies about that um but uh, that's what they were trying to do is they were trying to usher in basically a change of an era, which um, in other types of occult beliefs, like um, theosophy, for instance, they they kind of they don't really give a specific date. They give it like eras of a, of a certain uh, like a certain sets like they have the root races uh, theory where they talk about like Atlantis and they talk about Lemuria and they talk about all this other stuff. And then like. Mm-hmm eventually further on down that there's going to be a confluence between the heart and soul of what the Lemurians had, but the strength and might and mental acuity of the Aryan race, which is not Germans. It's like a bunch of different people. There's like all it's, that's just what they, that's the name they have for it. Probably has some interesting. I actually was listening to something today where they were talking, but I guess they included Iranians after that. I thought it was a fun little fact for some reason. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Persians actually supposedly, I guess, gave the iranian jews the past oh, and iran yeah. generally yeah. just because they're like you guys are aryans you're cool <laughs> but sorry to make a before i go into a sub sub thing there because uh, there's something i i want to bring up but um yeah man uh that's they were using the same language about that so it's kind of it's a common uh thing but that's what a golem is and that's what a humunculus would be now um as far as a human human humunculus i mean there's a lot of stuff to that. I do know it's kind of interesting though. And, um, and this is kind of ties it into something kind of unrelated, but um, the uh, living lover of uh, the, uh, the Walsh's with Adam Walsh, who was abducted in Florida. Funny enough story, her living lover's last name was Campbell and Aquino's like family lineage is Campbell from Scotland. So there's always some wondering about, I wonder if he might be related, like might be a cousin or something. How many of these Campbells? Cause a lot of people know some Campbells. There's some Campbells all over the United States. I know like name, probably yeah. 10 of them right now, you know, um, I haven't talked to him in years, but I know some people with that name uh, and the, the lineage and stuff. So there's a lot to it, but uh, man, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny that, you know, that, that was in there too. Um, as far as Iran, dude, right, check it out. So you remember, do you remember when Netanyahu tried to basically admonish Hitler for the Holocaust? I mean, I, I'm sure it happened quite a few times. They don't ever stop bringing it up. So, right. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Um, but no, it's funny. It was like he was like, actually, Hitler was trying to work with all the Jewish leaders, but he went and met the Grand Mufti of Iran. 
And he said, I have a problem. I don't know what to do with all these ghettos. I have all these people in these work camps. And the Grand Mufti says to him, the simple, burn them. And so this is the reason, you know, it's like, whatever. Yeah, let me let me flip it around in a hat and find, uh, let's see, this fortune cookie. Man, the, now, how can I twist this? Yeah, this one. This is that's what it is every time. I swear he's reading these out of like, you know, like some kind of matzo ball like box of him. He just pulls out a thing and reads it and goes, oh, okay. This will so be this week's you're saying that Netanyahu tried to blame Iran for the Holocaust. Essentially. He tried he tried to <laughs> admonish Hitler so he could jab at Iran. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well that's uh, they always it seems to be. I mean, no matter what they do, they find a seem to find a way that it you know justify. We, they can do a Holocaust as they're sort of doing now, and blame it and, and find a way to be like, yeah. but, but don't forget about the Holocaust. That's don't forget that last it. country. <laughs> don't forget the last country we have. We got you had seven countries in five years, and it took a lot longer than that. But we've got all of them down except for that last one we couldn't yeah. deal with. If we can just get them to get out of Iran. Oh yeah, we'll take care of them then because we can't fight the uphill battle. We can't fight them on their own turf, you know. Yeah, which, to be clear, for those who don't get it, I'm I'm making a point that I'm not cool with genocide. <laughs> so, yeah, you shouldn't be. You correct. shouldn't be. Pretty, pretty. I mean, stop wars, please. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you know, another another good point about that too is um, uh, man, I had it. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Um, the other good point is that, like, you know, look at what things Iran has done to the United States. What has Iran done to the United States? Let's see. Um, we <laughs> see. Well, see. They uh, supposedly they hacked us once. No, that was China. Oh, wait. No. Uh, supposedly they were. No, they, they helped the Azam brigades, but we were helping the Azam brigades, too, in Iraq in the 90s. OK. Uh uh the shah the shah um well we he went to school in in, in the, he did western schooling and we get he came to the united states for his cancer treatment we paid for that oh wait well let's go back some more um that's one operation ajax oh damn mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't think iran's done half the shit that israel's done to us that's on record yeah <laughs> so then, uh I think yeah. that's not that's not my that's not my concern. I think Iranians are allowed to. I mean, and I, I used to work with an Iranian guy. They're super nice. They're super nice, and I mean, you know, they, they just want to be left alone. They just want to do their thing, man. They're they're yeah. they come from a long lineage of just a, a you know proud people who've done so much. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have mathematics if it wasn't for Persians and Iranians and Iberians. You know, we wouldn't have a lot of culture uh, cultural things. We wouldn't have food we have. You know, we wouldn't have some of the advancements to uh, technology that we have that make our day to day life easier. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, Poland or Israel, for that matter, Mr. Milikowski has done anything. So I didn't mean to dead name BB, but, you know, he's the king and all. But, you know, yeah. But even yeah. if they are like the fucking worst, like we're not even mm. they, I mean like their government specifically, <laughs> obviously there's never a people, you know, unless like, unless you're talking like, I guess you could make the case for maybe certain religions or, or ideologies being like the, they generally kind of suck because these are the tenets of their beliefs. But so far as like a people from a region, it's like, obviously there's not, it's never going to be nah. all of them, but their government, I'm sure their government probably well, may suck. And even if it's the worst government in the world, it's like going to war with them is not going to really it's not going to do anyone any fucking good. So like yeah, all it's going to yeah. do is fuck over those people uh, and likely just destabilize the region and cause way more fucking problems. The, they will get a nuclear warhead fired at somebody at that point. Um, yeah. It's really, it's really stupid to play that kind of game with a bit to, to try to take on a country that's on their own home, home turf. That's not, they've been able to repel 
armies from all around them because of the mountains, you know, and, and they know this. And it's 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 not like they're like, you know, it's not like when we were fighting in Afghanistan, you know, which we set those guys up. Well, we set up the Ayatollah's guys. We set up the Shah's guys before that. I mean, they had the Savak that were basically like they were about as uh, about as Nazi as you could get without actually having a swastika on. And that was that was the Iranian secret police, their, their special police, you know, and we got that from West Germ uh, East Germany, which we created that situation, too, and uh, helped out those those wolf brigades quite a bit whenever we had the rat lines and we let people like, uh, like, uh, Oh geez, I forgot the name. You know who I'm talking about though. The guy who had the, uh, stay behind networks and the, uh, uh, generally pretty much, but well, uh, Reinhard Galen, who was, who was an SS big SS, uh, Colonel, uh, we kept him on. So he would have a stay behind network in Europe and Rome and in Germany and, Basically, they would go snitch on, you know, snitch on communist activities to to the West German side. And so they had people who would pose and do spy work and stuff. Don't you know it? Like a lot of that stuff didn't it didn't come out to the 80s, but we were doing that stuff in the 60s. That was probably what I believe because of her work, uh, Dana's work. I believe that might be one of the main impetuses of why Sharon Tate was murdered is because she had overheard something because her father was a was a general who was working with NATO and he had a detachment and he was in Rome. They had a house in Rome. So I mean, stands to reason. I mean, I see motive, money, probability, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. And that ties into Jolly on West. <laughs> and that, uh, that brings me kind of to the next point uh, that I kind of want to talk about. I want to at some, at some point maybe do like a full on episode on this, uh, but the mm. false memory syndrome stuff, uh, which surprisingly, I think had what multiple MK Ultra doctors on it. I think multiple. Jolly on West. I don't know if I don't know if Jolly was on like right off the bat, but I think he was shortly after. Uh, and then uh, I believe there were also Satanists uh, that were on this. Which the irony of Satanists. the I forget when the false memory syndrome first come, came into play, but I know it's been used in multiple cases. Mo most notably, like the McMartin one's probably the one it's most known for. They they use the false memory syndrome nonsense. Um, I know that I believe it's also was used in, I want to say the RFK thing with like Sirhan. I believe there was even, there were some ties to some OKC trial type stuff. Uh, but I, I guess I just kind of want to dig into that. Like, Dana, what are, what are your thoughts? I know you, you really dig into like the connections with the Satanists, which is like, as getting as ironic that they then were looking into a satanic pedo network and they had Satanists on the board of that specific thing. And then obviously if you get into the, background of how this thing was even created in the first place it was to cover up a possible uh you know uh, pedophile uh you know activities I, i've never really uh, i know it was supposedly the 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 people involved it was like a repressed memories thing so i don't know to what extent you can really prove there was there's monsters in my cereal yeah so i don't know to what extent you can prove that but either way it was literally created to combat uh, pedophilia accusations. So I guess just kind of your thoughts generally, I guess maybe if you want to hone in on kind of just the, the people on the board and you know how that worked out. I just, I always, I just found that kind of, kind of crazy in general. Uh, Cause I don't remember how, how many fucking kids were there even the McMartin stuff. Cause to try to throw that out as false memory was just kind of like, what? 
Well, it's interesting. So the first, the case that really paved the way for Elizabeth Loftus, who is uh, still out here preaching the great truths of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, was actually the Ted Bundy trial in Utah. Uh, so that was really where she staked her claim, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so I'm just going to like list off some of the heavy hitters of her work, and then I'll get into the foundation itself. Uh, as you said, uh, McMartin. So she was the professional witness in the McMartin preschool trial. She was a professional witness for Gislaine Maxwell, for Harvey Weinstein, for Timothy McVeigh, uh, for O.J. Simpson, for the Menendez brothers, and for the cops that beat Rodney King. So she has a really uh, sort of superstar track record as far as silencing victims. Uh, it's interesting because False memory syndrome was never a syndrome. It was never actually in the DSM. There is no science behind it. The science was created by Dr. Elizabeth Loftus. And then she turns around and she uh, cites herself, which is completely insane. However, uh, this was absolutely facilitated and was able to thrive because of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation's inception. Uh, so what happened was... Uh, Pamela, nope, it was Jennifer Freyd. So the daughter, she grew up and she had legitimate repressed memories. This is something that's true. And this ties into the DID stuff, the multiple personality disorder. So she had repressed memories that her father uh, had abused her. Well, her mother, Pamela, could not let the world know what her dear husband did. And what I like to tell people is she literally turned around and created a pedophile charity organization. What we see happen within a month of it opening, we have two CIA MK Ultra doctors, uh, Martin Orne and Margaret Singer. They are officially listed on the board as well as Elizabeth Loftus. There is a disclaimer uh, that it is not an official list within the first month of opening, uh, that some of the doctors don't know how they want to be listed yet. Uh, and what we see after that is a massive implosion. And yes, Jolly West ends up on the board officially in the public eye within a year and a half of opening. We also have Dr. Richard Offshe. He testified in the West Memphis 3 trial. He was also a infiltrator, quote unquote, of Synanon. So that's very bizarre because he has some really weird ties with that cult Synanon. Um, and then obviously Jolly West, isn't it convenient that this uh, group is set up with some of the most heavy hitting MK Ultra doctors who are experts of their craft of mind control, uh, targeting children, literally targeting children, uh, and protecting the and protecting the the pedophiles, the perpetrators. I don't care what people want to call it. I think that people need to stop dancing around this and being polite about it because like the false memory thing is a hill that I will die on. Uh, it's not real and it was a pedophile charity organization. Mm -hmm. Period. They got tax exempt status within four weeks of opening. That is completely insane. And it's just completely organic that all of these CIA doctors start flocking and it's fascinating because in the old archive of their circular, you see we're getting so many calls, 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 calls. Like you just see where all these hot spots start popping up and their numbers just start blooming. And, you know, it's interesting for those that are familiar with the uh, satanic ritual abuse case going on in Utah right now that dates back to the 80s and covers this time frame. This is where we see massive amounts of calls coming in from Utah that tie into that current case today, which I am currently working on tying Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino to because he is officially tied to the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. I make a joke. It's the Church of Latter-day Satanism. 
his first wife, uh, she was a satanic priestess when he was heading the Church of Satan. Uh, he was in Louisville and they split up. He got with Lilith and well, the satanic priestess went back into the LDS church and uh, married a, uh, I guess you would call it a lineage family, a power family within the uh, LDS echelon, uh, who was also in Vietnam in Saigon, conveniently enough, teaching our soldiers how to traffic uh, every single thing that they could out of Vietnam. Um, and she goes back in right around that time is when we see these allegations coming out of Utah in particular with these weird satanic cults. Um, and obviously there were cults popping up all over the country. Uh, now, as far as like satanic, Again, that's woo-woo. I get that some people believe in it, uh, but people need to understand in the context of history, uh, like the Leo Taxel angle of like tricking everybody and making everybody think that there's demons hiding under every single rock or around every corner. That's just not the case. This is a really convenient way to throw investigators off. They don't really want to look into it. Um, it's also not believable. It's a very easy way to discredit children when these things are happening. And then we have the FBI's uh, occult expert, Mr. Kenneth Lanning. I say that he is the best thing to happen uh, to Satan within our federal government. Uh, you know, he releases all of these reports about how, you know, these occult crimes aren't real and the very few that are. They're very rare. They're very isolated. All of the proven documented animal sacrifices those were all natural causes including uh the genitals being removed tongues being removed uh, dogs being skinned all kinds of crazy stuff um as far as satanists within the board specifically well that's gonna bring us to modern day because technically the false memory syndrome foundation dissolved they quietly closed their doors in 2019 i like to point out to people and it just might be me being paranoid, but they didn't really announce it until after Michael Aquino was confirmed dead. Uh, I don't know if it's related or not, because I don't believe that he took his life. I think that it might have been sort of a uh, forced so that he didn't do a deathbed confession type of thing. Uh, but after it was confirmed that he was dead, they announced that they had shut down a couple months earlier in 2019. Uh, but we have the current, uh, the temple of, or no, the satanic temple, uh, Mr. Lucian Greaves, who graduated from Harvard with a neuroscience degree specializing in false memory syndrome. Uh, he is a huge advocate of it. There is sort of a silent freelance movement going on right now, and the satanic temple is heavily behind it. Uh, and I would also like to let people know, for those that don't, uh, Mr. Greaves is also a, a processian. He is also a huge advocate and member, I would say, of the Process Church of the Final Judgment. Um, and I have had one of his ministers and a couple of his lay people, uh, they don't like to talk about Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino. So I at least have a statement from an ordained minister from the Satanic Temple uh, who they call me a Q-tard or QAnon and a Christian extremist when I point out that the late Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, uh, those child abuse charges were never removed from his army record. And the evidence was substantial. So that's where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he also, I, if, well, actually, I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but you can kind of infer, uh, you know, considering his background, he very likely was probably also involved in Operation Phoenix. Uh, it just, yeah. one of these things is, it is crazy how these things always seem to interconnect. Uh, I mean, also with, uh, 
Jolly West, uh, which this I, I noticed as you were saying this with the, the Greaves thing, there's almost this parallel, uh, you know, I guess with the false memory syndrome, where it's almost like they kind of, you know, ride off their previous sources, I guess you could, is a way to put it, like, say with the false memory syndrome, uh, you know, foundation, this is created, now you said there's a freelance, and now they get to refer to that and go, oh, here's this established body of work, whatever the fuck, you know, and they get to ride off that, but the same yes. sort of thing, I find this interesting with um, with Jolly on West is one he's most well known for MK Ultra and its ties in as well. But he's also you know you can look at his body of work of what the things he's studied and one of the things he did a, a decent quite a bit of you know pieces on himself wrote research pieces or whatever the hell you want to call them was on cults and then mm-hmm. uh, that seems to be that coincided around the time when cults really started springing up. Uh, and now here comes Johnny on the spot, you know, oh, look mm-hmm. at all this work I did. You know, incidentally, yep. also did MK Ultra work. Uh, and now we have, you know, then, then comes the era of the satanic panic. And, uh, you know, I say that ironically because I think there was credence to that. And that just, you know, Lots. You know I, we, we brought up the false memory syndrome with like some Martin stuff and some of the other things. Uh, but also to some extent, also the satanic panic, quote unquote, is also what is, was able to use it, and especially in the eyes of the media, was allowed it enabled them to dismiss these things as pure fantasy because it does sound like fantasy to any normal person. They go, yeah. oh, satanic shit. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, I mean, it kind of is this double-edged sword where on one end it becomes holy shit, like, you know, this is literally Satan and stuff to some people, and on the other side it's like, that's fucking nonsense. Uh, but point is getting as Jolly West, uh, kind of, uh, you know, he, like I said, Johnny on the spot came in and, uh, you know, studied cults, then all of a sudden, and MK Ultra, and all of a sudden this stuff came in, you know, he's also tied to uh to manson in the uh yep. ha- hashbury i forget i always forget the fucking hate ashbury hate ashbury hashbury mm-hmm. I just kind of combine the two hate, uh, but, hate, <laughs> mm-hmm. hate hate uh but uh yeah he, so he was connected with that uh so it looks to be there's a pretty strong connection with manson and him i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on any of that because uh, i mean i've never really dived too deep in that but those are just kind of you know pattern uh, noticing uh, that i've picked up along the way I actually have a, a little bit of insight. I was going to ask Dana real quick, though. So with the power families, um, have you seen any evidence that kind of leads credence to the these power bottoms that are satanic possibly coming from power families? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, the Bullock family that the uh, satanic priestess of, uh, you know, the ex-wife of Michael Aquino, they are a very long lineage. The modern day mm-hmm. example would be the Leavitts. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Gordon Bowen. Uh, some of these other people that are now in very hot water. It's interesting that David Leavitt ran away to Scotland, but I digress. So. Yeah. Well, um, but I mean, you know, like when it comes back to like Jolly and West and stuff like, you know, a lot of people zero in on his internship here and, you know, that he had a wing named after him and he made these really, really thorough um, advancements to psychology and neuroscience in the University of Oklahoma's medical department. Um, that um, I take firsthand uh, a little bit of uh, understanding of because uh, I was uh, had to deal with a little bit of it when I was a child. Um, but funny thing of it is, is a lot of people don't talk about where he really, I mean, he was doing MK before he came to Oklahoma. He was part of the air force originally. He, uh, he enlisted and I believe it was like, I want to say the dates were like, I want to say it was between like 42 to 
56, somewhere like that. He was in the Air Force and he was actually um, he was ahead of an apartment over some stuff, some crazy stuff. Um, but he was part of like a, a grant for uh, the advanced placement program. So he went from basically a lieutenant to a major in the whole time that he was there. He made rank really easy with no no. I mean, I haven't really looked at this DD-214 because I can't find it or anything. But uh, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure somebody has it and probably not hard to find. Um, also, a little other funny fact about him is... Wait, wait, wait. How, how long a period? For those who don't aren't aware, I was mm. uh, I was active duty for 11 years. I was enlisted. Oh, cool. Uh, I was Air Force. It is always, you know, <laughs> sparks my interest that it, this shit always... Right. Seems, there always seems to be Air Force stuff. They're always the military, fuck. man. Oh, yeah. like Air Force or Navy. It's what it usually is. Yeah. Air Force oh. or Navy. Army, yeah, Air but, Corps, uh, O&I, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, but um, what, what, how long do you know how long he was in that? Because that's not depending on which lieutenant you're talking about, whether it's first or second. I always forget which one's the, the 01 or 02. But that's all, that's mm -hmm. a either a three rank jump or a two rank jump. So I, I think it's the three. Crazy. Okay, I think so it's he was, a three. He was a butter bar. So an, an 01. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but he moved on with the uh, the advanced placement program, which what I thought was kind of crazy because I knew that it, I knew that it that that was around post-World War II, there were a lot of social programs, but actually I think that the program that got him into the uh, Army, uh, Air Force, you know, Army Air Force, it was U.S. Air Force by then, it wasn't Air Corps anymore, that, that stopped, um, was actually set up during like the 20s. It was part of like, you know, the New Deal stuff, like kind of like the civilian uh, work camp thing where they, you know, they're building, having building projects and they're, you know, you can help your country by going to work on this work site and they have a military guy who comes in and does that. Um, I have a funny like uh, anecdote about that, about my family. It's kind of interesting. My grandfather had uh, the, the father, of James Wolsey, the CIA director. He used to be an attorney in Tulsa years ago. And apparently he was my grandpa's old boss whenever he would work uh, doing the civilian uh, construction corps or whatever back in the, the 20s and 30s and stuff. And I was like, dang, man, that's a small world. I wish I I wish I had some pull with that guy right now for the reason I was looking into it. But um yeah man, it's a thing about that is also another thing that people don't know about uh Jolly and West is you know he he was Ukrainian. Ukrainian Jewish. And um uh, yeah, and uh now he was born in poverty kind of like Jeffrey uh Jeffrey Jeffrey Edward Epstein. Uh, so he wasn't really like he didn't come out of money like a lot of uh people from Ukraine do. But you know also like you know there's um those are the ideal fall yeah. guys though. Right. Right. And then yeah. you, but then you also have the ones who aren't the really the fall guys until they mess up and they, they uh, yeah. put too much of themselves out there. Like Robert Maxwell. Well, yeah, I'm he saying, like, those Ukrainian. are the good people to have like yeah. kind of as your movers and shakers. Cause yep. if they do, you know, step too far, Bagman. you can just burn that mm -hmm. real quick. You don't have to yep. worry about them being too well connected. Cause it's like, you came from nothing. We can, we can take, we brought you in, we can take you out. So, but, 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 but my argument to that, to that point would be, what in the hell did they take out about Jolly and West? He got away with like pretty much like cat's meow, walked through one thing, walked in another thing. Oh, I'm against cults. Oh, I'm for cults. Oh, I, I talk about cults because I know a lot about them and they don't exist. You know, yeah. this is amazing. This is a made up. Yeah, he played, he the, played game. the game well. Yeah, I think he just played yeah. the game well. But you see people like Epstein, it's like, well, you know, I mean, that became pretty huge. If we ever, if they had ever got, I feel like any sort of, 
uh, push with Jolly on West and got any sort of dirt to the extent that they had an Epstein, they probably would have done the same thing to him. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Ghislaine's a different story because she was a little bit more connected. So, well, it's probably why she got away with a little bit more in a certain sense, but she still got yeah. fucked over too, somewhat. So, yes and no, but like also, like with Epstein, I mean, you got to look at like who's paying, who's mm. paying, who's gonna buy this, you know, right? Uh, well, with that, we know it was Wexner, but who else was Wexner associating with? Probably the biggest donors in America of Jewish origin, like, you know, the Steinharts and the Bronfmans and the Schustermans from Tulsa, actually, which is funny because there's um, I have a situation about child family courts and um, CPS um, and the Department of Human Services here that has a lot to do with um, Taglet Birthright, which was actually started by Edgar Bronfman and Michael Steinhardt and Lynn Schusterman, who was a Rothschild, a French Rothschild. Funny enough, that's her biggest donor that her family's foundation still donates money to. And they've been caught in a few scandals that are like, you know, suppressed really fast in the local news. But you'll you look around on some YouTube videos. Somebody will walk into a place saying, where's my grandson and stuff like that, you know. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that going on. I don't know really what I can say. Cause I don't know, like if this is going to end up in rub on rumble or you're going to do it on YouTube, but I mean, there's trafficking involved, mm -hmm. uh, from the United States into other countries. And yeah. I did, I did want to bring up, you brought up family relations and this is, just mm -hmm. a, this has nothing to do with anything really we're talking about, mm -hmm. but my wife's family, uh, is like, uh, they're literally they're direct descendants of the the main admirable ad, admir, admirable admiral in the, the Operation ones. High Jump. Uh, oh, they, Bird. Yeah, yeah Bird. Uh, yep. Yeah. They're, they're, they they literally have, they still have the last name Bird. Uh, nice. I think they they actually descend from his brother, but they still live on his estate. So it's like wow. most of them do, uh, or like yeah. her extended family kind of deal. So I just always thought that was interesting because that like, is really that's, interesting. That's yeah. another weird rabbit hole. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, my wife told me about that forever ago, and it wasn't until I saw got started getting into like a little bit into parent politics that I was like, it was like, oh cool, yeah, he went to Antarctica. Antarctica. What, what do you do? And then later I'm like, what yep. the fuck? <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah, cause that, that gets into like fucking alien nazis and all sorts of weird shit whatever that gets whatever into the argentinian u-boats and all the <laughs> i mean you know which is funny because we prove it later you know so just given enough time we'll we'll find out what's going on with that i guess but uh maybe <laughs> i mean they, they did how fantastical it is but i mean i mean they broke they broke the story of the the vatican rat lines in like the the late 70s but you didn't really hear about it in in western press until the 90s so tell you what that tells you. It's like it almost took 15 years for someone to say, hey, you know, someone at the Vatican actually assisted the Nazis in escaping. You know, they didn't really want to talk about that. And they wanted to wait until it was after the early 90s, 90, 91. So around 92, I think, is when I see that I saw that broken, like the Globe and Sun um, newspapers and stuff like that. And USA yeah. Today and stuff. <laughs> My name's a pseudonym for those who aren't, I haven't been, I, I, it's an open secret, but I, uh, I've always joked that, uh, when people bring up my name, I go, yeah, I'm Argentinian because they're like, I clearly look white and they're like, it's just kind of like a little joke. Oh. See if they pick up on it. <laughs> you know what, you know what's interesting though? You know what's here? This was interesting. I, I worked with a Hispanic coworker. You know, he's Mexican, but you couldn't tell by looking at him. You could mm. not. He was, he was whiter than me. I'm like, I'm like, maybe you want to drop in the pan native American and German and Dutch and stuff. And I look like three shades dark. I look, I look Hispanic. People are always like, oh, you, I'm sorry. Do you speak English? I'm like, I speak English fine. Oh, oh, sorry, sir. You know, they always assumed and stuff back in the day. Uh, but no, like, uh, yeah, this dude, this dude, Jacobo, he was like, oh man, he was pink. He was hot. He was very light complected. He was, yeah. But if he wasn't an old man with white hair, I would have been like, you probably have red hair. I bet you money. 
<laughs> well, so. all right. Uh, I, I, I did want to ask you uh, the process uh, stuff. What, what what even is that, uh, Dana? Because I've never really gotten into that. Uh, it, it seems to be like you seem to think this is to some extent like the root uh, to some degree. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting the impression that you're thinking that this transforms from group to group. Because obviously, I mean, we're, we've already kind of alluded to here with like MK Ultra and this stuff that it's kind of like the same with all these different uh, cults. Like I know even from some of my digging between like, um, uh, like the McMartin stuff, the Finders called all different shit. Like you do see similar, even fuck, even like Aleister Crowley stuff. Like you do see like similar, like very similar uh, methodologies going on. Like there always seems to be weird stuff about eating shit or, or, or piss and poop. But like it just obviously sacrifices, obviously like just degrade, like things that would degrade a human being. And obviously, like you can uh, intellectualize this as like some sort of, you know, uh, creating trauma to, you know, to, you know, to essentially create like a DID type situation, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, just textbook MK Ultra, but these are different ways to go about it. Uh, just like, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what do you think it is? How does this all connect? Are these kind of just this, is this, is this a root of it you think, or, or, or what are your thoughts? Well, first, and this will tie into it, because I think that this is where we see the perfection of the sort of reinforcement of trauma and DID, because, you know, people know that Jolly West was in uh, Haight-Ashbury. He was, you know, running the same halls, some people like to say, as Manson and the girls. Uh, You know, the Process Church of the Final Judgment was also there as well. Uh, And Manson, uh, out of Robert DeGrimston's own mouth, the founder, uh, Manson was a member of Process Church of the Final Judgment. Uh, That has also been well alluded to, and I think that there's enough evidence to support it. The Manson girls were sewing process symbols onto their clothing in the Los Angeles County Jail. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as Jolly West goes in regards to his sort of heavy hand in, in this area, you know, he's writing these papers in 1970 about the communal living uh, and uh, religious cults and LSD, uh, LSD and violence, things of that nature. Uh, And then what we see with the subsequent trials of uh, Tex Watson and then the girls and Manson is it's a lot of Jolly's underlings that are involved in those cases, but he is behind the scenes and he's still you know, putting out these publications about how drugs affect a communal setting and things of that nature. Um, so I think that his craft, as far as MK Ultra, mind control, trauma infliction, that's where he comes in and perfects it. Now, in regards to the Process Church of the Final Judgment, uh, I've I've pretty much refuted uh, the narrative that's out there. I've documented it. Uh, there's not much of an argument against it at this point. So today they are Best Friends Animal Society. Uh, This is in Utah. A lot of people know who they are. Um, And what the root is, is they were Scientologists. This is the story that is given. Uh, Apparently, maybe Robert DeGrimston was L. Ron Hubbard's right-hand man. Uh, They became disenchanted I don't believe this. I think that they were given orders by L. Ron Hubbard to go ahead and start this offshoot. They are declared suppressive people. Some people know from like Leah Romini's TV show, like you're declared a suppressive person, whatever. Um, And that's where the church attacks you, right? Um, 
So they are declared, but it's interesting because the same time that they're declared, L. Ron Hubbard creates the first uh, Guardian's office, which is Scientology CIA. So this is where this starts going underground and things start getting really ugly. Um, they end up, you know, creating this small group compulsions analysis. It's essentially, I'd say it's like Scientologists that are LARPing as Satanist, you know, uh, they're using the e-meter with the cans, but they call it the P-scope. Uh, they're making people sign waivers uh, saying that if your mental health is affected, that you cannot sue them. Uh, they, they're not liable for anything. So the story is that they are going to the Bahamas and Mexico to find themselves and become enlightened. Well, come to find out the British Medical Association was threatening to shut them down and investigate them because people were having really terrible experiences. Um, the Church of Scientology has it on record that they were doing paramilitary training in Stuhl in Mexico. I believe that that's probably what they were doing. Um, now, a lot of the original founders, a couple, one just died a couple days ago. I just found that mm -hmm. out. Um, a lot of these people, and two of them I've proven, are Black nobility, including Robert de Grimston. I have traced his family lineage. He is chosen, selected. This goes back to like the House of Cecil. Uh, so this is very OG bloodlines. This like these people are not a joke. Uh, and someone felt the need to inform me that Robert de Grimston is alive and lives 30 minutes away from me. So that's weird. Um, however, they come here to the States and they say that they're just in New Orleans, but we find out through court records that they're in California as well, a couple years earlier than anybody else was aware. Uh, it's interesting, when they get to New Orleans, they are uh, incorporated by Mr. Tommy Baumler uh, of the JFK lore under Guy Bannister yeah. and the FBI. Uh, so he is the one who incorporates them. And, you know, they go to California. They say that they're not involved in the Manson crimes. I don't believe that whatsoever. Uh, you know, like Jay said, as far as Sharon Tate goes, uh, there are immigration reports. There are countless police reports as well uh, that this was a hit that was uh, yeah. taken out by the Process Church of the Final Judgment and commissioned and, you know, pay, they paid Manson to take the hit out. Uh, in 2011, <laughs> Patricia Krenwinkel slipped up during one of her parole hearings and said that it was a hit on two women, so they were not expecting the guys to be home. Uh, Ed Sanders, the author of The Family, he wrote a book about Sharon Tate called Sharon Tate, A Life. And in that investigation about some of these rumors about a hit being taken out on Sharon, he was talking to immigration services and an FBI agent. And he said, okay, so Sharon's at a party. The process is at a party and Manson's at a party. You know, what, what, what did she overhear that was such a big deal? And they said, it's a matter of national security. So whatever Sharon Tate heard, uh, we will never know because it's for national security, even though it's been how many decades later. Right. Um, I think I used to think that maybe she had overheard uh, that Jolly had hypnotized Sirhan. Um, I'm no longer of that belief. Uh, 
it just doesn't necessarily make too much sense now because what I think was going on was this was the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, uh, in particular, Mr. Ronald Stark. Uh, there is some evidence out there that Mr. Stark's vehicle was being driven around and Manson was in that car when they were trafficking drugs and doing their creepy crawling. Um, so obviously people know the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, Timothy Leary, Ronald Stark, uh, what is his name? Alfred Owsley, I think. I might have the first name wrong. Ainsley or um, Owsley, yeah. Yeah, Owsley, you know, but that was a protected operation through and through, and they were not prosecu prosecuted. I say that very loosely, um, you know, until the mid-70s, and most of them weren't caught. Um, I think that it was more along those lines, and part of the reason why, because you guys were talking about like Epstein and the fall guy and, you know, what's up with Jolly West. I, you know, people need to remember that Jolly West was working with George Hunter White. George Hunter White was majorly tied into the mafia. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, people primarily think of like Operation Midnight Climax, but there was some serious drug trafficking going on. I'm the full, I'm of the full belief with that. Um, and it's interesting because a, he's dead now, but he is one of the uh, most formerly renowned uh, hypnotism experts who was working with Sirhan and Sirhan's lawyer. They spent about 200 hours with him and they were trying to, you know, re-piece together what happened that night in particular. Um, and, you know, he shows him five photos and he immediately points to Jolly. He says, I don't know mm -hmm. where I know him from, but I know him. Uh, Sirhan remembers nothing from that night, but he does know who Jolly West is. Uh, this hypnotism expert stated that Jolly West not only had his little crash pad in, uh, in Haight-Ashbury and along with the Haight-Ashbury Clinic, uh, but that he also had a research lab in the San Bernardino Mountains. Oh, Nobody yeah. really knows what they were doing out there. I think that this was... Uh, I don't, I, I guess you would like call it a trap house today. Like, I think that this was like <laughs> Jolly and George Hunter White's like straight up trap house. Because when you look at a lot of the serial killers and like cults that are going on in California at the time, there's a lot of reports and rumblings of stuff going on, like in these mountain areas. And I think that that would yep. be a perfect hideout for Jolly. Cause I straight up think that Jolly was uh, taken a little bit for himself. That dude would have had like, full free pass to do that and quite frankly does does nobody think that there's not like blackmail out there on jolly west with george hunter white and what they were doing with operation midnight climax i think that there is i'm of the full belief that that dude's on camera doing some really nasty stuff mm -hmm. um my super noited conspiracy for the process folks out there i think that jolly was the grand sheen gone in california uh, i think that he was the leader of the cult uh, in particular because they say that it was a very rich man who may or may not have been a doctor. I imagine that Jolly West probably had a very nice blank check through a black budget to fund all of these things, which is also what the process had. And once the process leaves California, then they move through their different phases of Jesus freak, coincidentally enough, uh, even though they are Nazi sympathizers and are mm -hmm. Nazis themselves, oh, yeah. uh, who said that the Holocaust happened because of guilt, uh, they have that in writing at their earliest teachings. Uh, they end up transitioning to, well, we're basically Jewish. And then yep. they just go with that and nobody questions them. And then what we have happen in California and in New York at the same time is we have the Jewish Defense League uh, literally yep. doing all of these uh 
Molotov cocktails, all of these different bombings, and the process, their incarnation at that time, the foundation faith of the millennium. Uh, they were also being bombed by the JDL, which really doesn't make sense because they're saying that they believe that they were Jewish. Um, then we have the Son of Sam crimes that go on. Uh, and then they make their way down to Utah. I am of the full belief that they were involved in the Atlanta child murders. Uh, I am of the full belief that they were helping to facilitate. Uh, some people may have seen the clown and the candy man. That is about the trafficking network involving John Wayne Gacy mm -hmm. and Dean yep. Quarrel out of Texas. The mm -hmm. process was well established in Texas and in Illinois way before any of that happened. Uh, they were in over a hundred cities in the United States in 1974 and claimed over half a million members worldwide. Um, I, I think that they were involved in a lot of it and they have flown under the radar primarily because of their British backed intelligence ties, because it's a lot of people, uh, not all of them are nobility, but a lot of them are backed by British intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously our intelligence community as well. Uh, Ed Sanders had stated himself, uh, when he was working with Maury Terry, uh, when Maury Terry was writing the ultimate evil that when he was talking with local authorities in California, you come to learn that uh, like Israel had an open investigation into the process church of the final judgment, uh, immigration services, Canada. Um, there was, and he was like, is this, is this an intelligence operation? Like what the hell is going on? Like, why are all these countries so concerned? Um, but you know, they're there now and they're making hundreds of millions of dollars over the decades uh they get paid like a million dollars themselves uh nobody nobody gets questioned nobody gets interrogated uh you know the fact that they have private planes and in more modern day stuff you know they're flying in and out of israel mm -hmm. and in and out of lebanon with yep. a bunch of dogs that were like picked up in dog fighting rings there are you know boots on the ground reports that they are maybe maybe not facilitating some of these things here uh what else might mm -hmm. they be bringing back on those planes oh. people can leave it up to their own imagination um but these are things that are still actively going on right now because nobody's investigated them because people end up dead that's just yep. that's just how it is historically yep. speaking this is one of the most dangerous organizations in my personal opinion yeah it makes me wonder how much as we're talking about this, it really is clicking that you know, especially with all the members worldwide, the big budget, you know, all the people dying, to what extent, like, I almost feel like this is damn near, you know, inextricable from Gladio, because mm -hmm. a lot of people, like, that don't know Gladio, like, yeah, it's got this, the whole, most people know it, the stay behind, you know, units, you know, to stick, you know, do, you know, essentially false flag stuff, mm -hmm. you know, you know, strategy of tension type things. But, uh, you know, they're one of the, you know, I guess probably one of the more overlooked parts, especially by people who've only done a cursory glance at it, is it's also highly tied into drug trafficking. Uh, oh, yeah. Which would be, which then gives you your, your huge budget. Your French connection. Yeah, which gives you a huge budget. Like there was so much money that was going go flowing through these Gladio units through money, uh, and you know, just generally was just being used for off book CIA stuff. Uh, then also that gives you your you know if you're already trafficking drugs, uh, you know there you know, how hard would it be also traffic uh, human beings, uh, yep. you know whatever That's other the, thing you're going. And this the, also kind of give boosts your membership for these these groups. I'm not saying every single Gladio member was also mm -hmm. some sort of quote unquote satanic cult member but i mean i'm sure there was a lot of overlap i don't know if you've ever really you know thought about that much i'm sure you have 
Actually, it's funny. Oh, uh, I was going to say like uh, to some of Dana's points, because I was like, it's like she was saying good stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, forget about this. Don't forget about this. Uh, one interesting point about the uh, Brotherhood of Eternal Love and uh, Robert S- Ronald Stark. Uh, so Robert, uh, the, um, he had a strain of LSD that was different than the main MK strains that they had two like two factories made that LSD. And somehow they had a third mystery uh, laboratory was making the LSD that they were pushing. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe they're trying to get a little bit more off the books. So it's not so traceable back to DOD and um, maybe any of those contractors. Theirs was meth based too, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Because uh, that's mm -hmm. a, sorry, I don't mean to throw you off your train of thought. No, you're good. But I actually was thinking about bringing this earlier. When it comes to drugs tied into MKUltra, one of the more Mm -hmm. overlooked ones typically is methamphetamine. And you'll always notice that there seems to be, in a lot of these, you know, more notable conspiracies, there always seems to be some meth users. I don't know why. Or they're going to be, yeah. Or they're going to be like labeled as, yeah, yeah. to get rid of them. Yeah. Like, uh, that was a topic of research within MKUltra was the, the methamphetamine yeah. drugs. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, I believe the LSD that's more, that were, that's, you know, usually associated with the stuff mm-hmm. typically was the, the methamphetamine based LSD. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm, I've, never, yeah. I've only done LSD like once or twice, but mm-hmm. like, I, uh, I, I know I that it's, know, that there, there has to have a base to go with it. And I know one of the common yeah. ones is methamphetamine and it, that right. seems to be the base that's, Typically, anytime it's some sort of right. seems to be there might be MK Ultra ties, it always seems to be methamphetamine based ones. But sorry, I mean to throw you off. No, you're fine. But I mean, yeah, like th- that, that's true. And that that does kind of track a little bit. It's an interesting little caveat on the side. One thing I can say about uh, methamphetamines for sure is that when you look at like, especially more towards like the end of the satanic panic, um, a lot of weird meth bus in the United States and the South, especially, um, you know, that was the, that was the, one of the main reasons why the, you know, the ATF went after, uh, Koresh was because he had a meth lab supposedly. Um, they like the, that. That's a fun one. It's like, it's like, it, it works out so many different ways because if they do have one, then we know we can blackmail them to sell that meth to get some other people we can use for another operation. And if they go against this or they don't want to play along, then we can just turn around and turn the feds loose on them. And then they can, you know, they can have their 51 day standoff. Um, but the other point I was going to bring up too about um, kind of to touch on what you're talking about with Gladio is uh, interestingly enough, that was one of the things that uh, I was ta- I was talking to you about, and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if that tracks or not. But I would say it was a, a was it Joylon Klebold uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. posted that where he uh, I guess he got it from um, Wendy Painting on on X where she was it might either be in a book or it might be something she's working on or a book she was reading where they allude that uh, Jolly and West might have been Mossad working for yeah. Mossad in some kind of, and yeah, some kind I, of, I think uh, those were passages yeah. from aberration. And if I remember I'm correctly, thinking it's been a while since I've read it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I haven't, I, I don't, I can't really speak with any authority whatsoever mm-hmm. on that, but I do vaguely recall that section. And yeah. I don't know if maybe, you know, if, you know, Tim Tuttle is what I usually call him. Cause it's what he used to yeah. go, go by. Yeah, right. Uh, right. But he, uh, I don't know if he's been sarcastic <laughs> or what he was making point of, but like, I, and I'm not like, I'm not one here to defend Israel or the Jews or whatever, right, right, but right. like, uh, but I, if I recall from that passage, the point she was making was this was some person that was kind of, didn't really seem like a super reliable source. And that was the point yeah. she was getting at. Right, because, right, right. And I'm not saying she was right. She didn't, from what I recall, she didn't really provide any sources. She kind of came off like a kook, but I mean, don't get me wrong. She could have some sources and just never gave them up. But mm-hmm. my point being is I, I don't know to what extent 
Because she was making claims that this was like all Israel tied. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be the least fucking bit surprised. But I just, right. I, I haven't seen anything that, in my opinion, that could substantiate that. But right. sorry, well, me through. no, you're good. But like, what I was thinking about is like, whenever I read that and I was kind of thinking, just like letting it jog in the brain, I'm like, all right, let's see all these these similar connections. So we had, um, there's the one when, when she brought up uh, the JDL, you know, there was uh, Mayor Kahan, right? Uh, the, you know, the main leader of the, like the ultra right wing super Zionist, uh, you know, like thought, I don't know. It's like a cult, but it wasn't a cult. It's a I don't know, religious movement, I guess I should say socio religious movement that the JDL was basically formed out of. He was started by him. And Mayor Kahan was actually an FBI informant under COINTELPRO for like, I think all, all throughout his, the startup of, uh, of his movement. Um, now that kind of ties into this interesting little thing that goes back to Arizona and, and Jesus people and people like Tim Oli, uh, Tim Oliphant, uh, uh, Jack Oliphant is, uh, so I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to say how to word this without like trying to step on into it so much. Um, so, uh, there's this guy, Sharon uh, V. Toval, who I read, a, he was brought up a few times in a couple of Michael Collins Piper books. Now, Michael Collins Piper gets dragged a lot because of his associations with, um, oh, what's his name? Carter, uh, Carter uh, Willis Carto. And Willis Carto and the Spotlight, they were kind of tied in with Jack Oliphant and the, the uh, Arizona Patriots militia um, because they covered a lot of stuff and, you know, New World Order and the government encroaching on us and taking our, trying to take your guns. They're take your guns. Um, so, like, it's kind of interesting that this dude actually mails a postcard to the spotlight. Like, I believe before the bombing, like a day or two before the bombing, it would have got there. It, it got delivered, but no one saw it till after the bombing. Um, and it was dated before that showing like, there's a picture from Oklahoma with like a, you know, a dust bowl or something and had a date written on it. Or so, so it's kind of like, you know, telegraphing it a little bit. And this guy, like he was a, he was a small Jewish terrorist and he got busted in New Jersey in his twenties. He was a dead ringer. A lot of people said he looked too much like McVeigh to like, let that go. Um, and he's tied into a religious right wing, uh, Jewish type of, uh, organization. And then he disappears. And now he's an art collector. If you look him up, um, he's, he's aged quite a bit, but, uh, he still has the same face. I just always thought it was funny just the, the connection between that because that is also some of the same pipeline to Cebu City. And mm -hmm. you get Cebu City with the, it's the Philippines. Like we're yeah. a key, there's a lot of people by the last name of Aquino from the Philippines. Um, funny enough also is that that's where you've run, run into all right, well, you had Tim McVeigh there as Tim Tuttle. You had Andre Strassmeyer, of course, you know, the guy who's I've never been to New Atlantic Divers. Uh, well, trust me, if he had been, he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't want, he, I know why he's saying that because if he actually went, he doesn't want nobody to know he went there. Cause that place yeah. is nasty. Um, see, but yeah, all these, all these groups. And then you see Sharon Taval and Mike Kariri. Mike Kariri was a Mossad agent famous for the big blunder of the Lillehammer disaster where they had the Olympics and they were, uh, yeah, he messed that one up, but he was also involved with like a lot of earlier, um, Jewish terrorists operations before they were a state um all the way back to the king david motel and you know when there was ergun and and uh ha before haganah um yeah, israel's no, more than capable of doing it if you know their past super <laughs> yeah well see yeah. this is where i was going with that because another funny point of it too is that you know one reason why i think 
it could be very plausible that someone like Jolly and West would be, you know, hey, you know, this is your first obligation, you know. Uh, so I know you're an American, but still, you need to play ball with us. Because, you know, Frank Sturgis from Bay of Pigs and JFK and all that, did you know he worked for the Mossad too? I'm not that. No, I didn't know that. No, he sure did. Sure did. Just, just like Strassmeyer had a girlfriend there, actually had a wife there. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Strassmeyer actually had a girlfriend who was in Shin Bet. Um, that was kind of interesting. Spoke fluent. Yeah, he Hebrew lived in the kibbutz for a while. Yeah. Lived in the kibbutz. <laughs> had a picture with, uh, General Rafaitan. And there's a lot, uh, when people look this up, they always try to like, you know, equate the, the, uh, the Mossad spy chief, Rafi the stinker, Aton, with, uh, Raf, uh, Ralph, uh, Ralph, Ralph, they call him Ralph Eton, who was a general of uh, the, the IDF. Um, so there's two different ones with the same name. One guy's a general, one guy's a spy master. The guy who's a spy master, he's the one who snuck out with a promise software in 81 as uh, he was posing as Dr. Benjamin Orr. Uh, see, and I believe he's also the guy who supposedly found Adolf Eichmann conveniently. But he's also involved with the same situation as the same alias is he used for the promise uh, theft of that software, which we later said we gave them. But it was it was reported stolen originally um, with the Apollo affair and the Apollo affair that tracks all the way back to Pennsylvania. That involves the guy that I brought up earlier who thought that, you know, Iran had magic uh, powers and, and convinced Hitler to start the Holocaust. That guy, actually, when he went to college in the States. When he was, um, he went under a different, you know, Ben Nittay, you know, remember the the young video of him, you know, where he's talking about how to genocide Arabs. Um, yeah, he was helping push along Krytron triggers, which is what they use for uh, thermonuclear weapons at the time. Uh, they have different trigger systems now, but that smuggling uh, factor, that was part of the reason that wraps up in the JFK, because that's Arnon Milkan. Uh, Milchan, Milkan, I don't know how you say his name, the uh, famous movie producer in Hollywood, was a Saiyanim for a long time. And later in the 90s, he comes out and says, oh, yeah, I've, I've done some work for the, the Israeli government on behalf of the Israeli government in my time, you know, as a movie producer. Uh, he had a company called Milko. And there was also uh, Heli, which is a, another trading company. And these trading companies are similar in one of them is connected to Permadex, uh, which connects it back to uh, New Orleans and Guy Bannister and and the JFK guys through the Marcello mob. And yeah, there's oh man, there's just so many there's so many rabbit holes you can go through on that. But I just thought it was really interesting just to bring up the fact that uh, you know there's a JDL connection to Arizona with that. And I think one other thing I could say about that is you know when she was talking about the fact that yeah you know these. These these people who are real big, you know, Zionists or Jewish sympathizers in mythology or religion tend to usually be like really neo-Nazi or Nazi sympathizers as well. That really tracks because when you look at like the Aryan nations, when they were founded, the Aryan nations church, they're off the uh, whole serpent seed ideology of the Bible. And that's the one where, you know, uh, basically that, you know, I forget how that works exactly. I don't, I'm having a brain fart, but. It's this. It's it's a it's a theological device that they use um, in some Christianity, where it's like, oh well, you know, in the garden there is the devil, and you know, lay down with Eve and all this other stuff, and this explains this, and you know, all this other stuff. So they went with that theology to explain their anti-Semitism, but it's funny because they also had like a lot of Jewish support from people who were of that extraction, uh, specifically Harold von Braunhut, 
who was the guy who made like sea monkeys, like the toy. Yeah, this dude literally was like the most anti-Semitic Jewish guy there was in the 80s and 90s. Um, he's on on record for that. And there's a, another great, uh, I think it's uh, Boltzmann at Boltzmann Boot, um, on X. He, I remember he, like it was about a year or so ago, he put out a picture with him and a pastor Gayhart of uh, of a church. And there was, um, I believe he was all there. there so one of the one of the members of the Idaho National Guard at the Area Nations big Area Nations picnic uh, revival or whatever in the eighties, like it was, it was eighty nine maybe, eighty eight or eighty nine, maybe maybe I'm got the date wrong, but it's just really interesting to me that all these at one moment Zionists are like, oh let's let's play neo Nazis. It's almost as if like the entire neo Nazi movement in the West was just uh, like a controlled op. Like a like a Northwoods Gladio Gladio over here kind of thing, similar to the cults. We have to have these cults because we're trying to look into you know religious experiences, and maybe we can figure out how to twist people using these cults. Because eventually, some of that same ideology and some of that same hard data goes into social uh, social activism in the seventies, mm -hmm. which actually like DEI and uh, things like that which actually came out of the university of Oklahoma, like Ju Ju Judith Katz wrote like DEI, basically the Genesis of DEI training that we all have to suffer through in jobs nowadays. And she was published by the university of Oklahoma, the same university of Oklahoma, by the way, if I just got to have a jab at them real quick, who, Oh, we didn't know that the Confucius Institute was, was CCP, but we just kept them on for 12 years after they, everyone found out. And then now we're going to get mad at people who, who had them on for a year. Yeah. So um, I just think it's funny how it's always the same guys are always pointing their fingers over here and saying, oh, it's them when it's really them the entire time. Well, I mean, if you look at the moderns or the, like the Zionist movement, especially around the time they were you know, creating or trying to build up Israel. Yeah. I mean, there were so many statements of stuff along the lines. I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily characterize it as they were gleeful about this, uh, this stuff going on over there. Uh, but yeah, they, they were, were they were definitely ready to capitalize off of it. And then, and then you can kind of extrapolate from that from some of the other things that have come out to be known to be false flags. I can't remember the specifics off the top of my head, but there were definitely other false flags they did later on to drive Jews towards Israel to try to yep. found their nation uh, in, other, in other nations, essentially making it appear as if it wasn't safe for Jews over there when in, in fact it was them doing it. Uh, but, yeah. And such. yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dana, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the, uh, cause I know we had the question before was kind of the Gladio stuff and it seemed like you had some thoughts. Sorry. Well, I mean, I no, I mean, I'm in full agreement. I think mm -hmm. that the process church of the final judgment was a domestic gladio or American gladio. Um, I think that they, along with academia specifically, and obviously uh, the intelligence community with their weaponization of doctors, uh, that was all massive domestic gladio. Because in my opinion, I think that the satanic panic started with Charles Manson and the Manson crimes. That's when I think it actually began. Um, and then what we see with the son of sam in particular is the really uh heavy hitting imagery the satanic imagery the letters um that stuff being pumped out through the media um and you know the stuff that goes on Shocking in new york at that time with like the blackout the loss of power um everybody's completely losing their minds new york is on the verge of going bankrupt and we also have this uh lone nut out here that is targeting women with long dark hair or yeah long dark hair so they're cutting their hair and dyeing their hair blonde like yep. literally sent the city into 
a freaking panic for it, you know, what, like a year, two years. Um, so I think that following that and then what people categorize as the satanic panic, I, I really do think that it was like a really long game as far as, yeah. as the notion of a serial killer, these other serial killers like Edmund Kemper uh, coming out of California. Everything seems to happen around UC Santa Barbara in particular, which is very interesting. Um, and, you know, then Hollywood chiming in with the uh, sort of memorials, uh, idolization of serial killers and making it this sort of like campy thing. Obviously, yeah. Kenneth Anger, I think he had a heavy hand in that as well. Um, and, you know, uh, Alfred Kinsey, because, you know, Kenneth Anger and Alfred Kinsey were both uh, major OTO guys and went to the Abbey of Thelema and, you know, said that they like peeled back the paint there and the paintings on the wall were uh, orgies with children uh, and that's what they were trying to preserve uh, and obviously the local government wasn't having that um, but I think that all of these things that seem organic or are seemingly unrelated what we're seeing is a very long strategy of tension uh, I call like best friends animal society like it's the strategy of tension with dogs because they have all these really weird contracts with uh, local shelters where they will take all of the dogs they don't vet them they don't vet the homes and and you can look online and there are countless lawsuits for uh, wrongful death, uh, debilitating injuries, uh, death to humans, death to animals. Um, their goal is no kill by 2025. Uh People ask, you know, why that is, that doesn't sound bad. And it's like, okay, but look what happens when they take all of these dogs, the dogs that can't be rehomed. A great example is Michael Vick's dogs. Uh, so they say that they are philanthropists who want to save animals, but they would not take Michael Vick's dogs unless they were paid $18,700 per dog. A lot of those dogs could not be rehomed. So what were they doing with them? Uh, there's a few options on the table, uh, in my opinion, and that's what I'm working on right now. I think that they are heavily involved in some transhumanist type of research. Uh, I think that, I mean, there's a good argument because the Vatican was heavily funding, the Vatican Bank was heavily funding a lot of uh, what people would call birth control and reproductive rights, <laughs> that kind of medicine and that kind of research. And it was in the early 90s, there was a huge study that was released about what some people might call cloning, uh, and the compatibility of dog DNA with human DNA to accomplish such means. Um, there is also, for people that don't know, especially uh, in hurricanes or times of crisis, there is a massive demand for dog blood because you can use dog blood in emergent situations for human yep. blood transfusions. Um, and then tying in the uh, Nazi, neo-Nazi angle with the process, for the people that are familiar with them, uh, they had Alsatians, which was obviously Hitler's favorite dog. Um, so in this study that was released in the 90s, the Alsatians had the uh, closest component as far as their DNA to human DNA, and Alsatians have the highest level of oxytocin in their blood, uh, mm -hmm. which is the happy chemical uh, that we create. So that could also work for a sex cult, among yep. other things, uh, like different types of rituals. Uh, so there's there's a lot of angles to be played there. Um, but these people have stated that like they want to take over the U.S. government. Yep. So uh, I, I think that it's still fully going on right now. It's just a strategy of tension with dogs.
Yeah, it brings whole new meaning to the whole trope of white women and dogs. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, there's there's another there's another funny aspect of that that I, I want to bring up real quick with dogs specifically, dogs and uh, horses. So back in the day, like about 1950, they started like synthesizing. Um, uh, do, mm, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Um, Insulin. Yes. Thank you. Thank you much. Yeah. They started synthesizing insulin for, you know, like for sale for diabetics in the fifties. Well, one of the places they got it from before that was horses and, and canines like equines and canines. And they did a lot like in the fifties. That was a, that was when you were bringing up Korea. I kept thinking about that earlier. Um, so Alan Dulles, son actually fought in the Korean war and came back shell shocked. And he went to Chicago for three weeks to, um, at an insulin clinic that was supposed to break people of shell shock using uh, like playing with insulin. And at the time they would have, they wouldn't have had like, maybe they would have just had human insulin um, synthesized up. But before that they were doing that, I mean, all the way back to the 1910s, they were using orphans and children and doing all kinds of experiments on insulin to now they say, it's like, well, you know, just, just it's all, it's all controlled and all this other. It's interesting because insulin is uh kind of a, like much like oxytocin it could be part of a push-pull mechanism in torture um one thing they don't talk about and it was actually in one of the the old cia torture manual is that they talked about um using insulin um among a couple of other like current enzymes and people playing with certain levels uh to starve the brain to make it more susceptible to kind of give it a, a, a natural fatigue situation and also um to induce comas and, and dreamlike states so they could basically set basically so they could set people up for when they wake up and now they're in the torture device and stuff like that. Like really, really uh, horrific stuff. And, and you got to think about it too. Yeah. They used animals to get this stuff and they, they, of course they killed lots of them, lots of them. Um, there's a lot of glue trucks and a lot of dog catchers with full vans and stuff. But what, when, what pisses me off is that it, you think it's, they're using, they're using orphans. You know, people who their parents didn't want him. And then, you know, Michael, Michael Aquino, there's a good chance that he was probably an orphan, you know, supposedly. I know his his ancestor was was uh, what accused of stealing a baby. Uh, his grandfather, yeah, yeah. Uh, was accused of trying to throw a baby, uh, throw a baby away. And the yeah. charges were dropped and he was not investigated. Uh, so he was a really famous surgeon. He was pretty groundbreaking. He invented what's called the Ford stitch. Uh, it's still used today in the OR. Um, and then uh, he slit his own throat while shaving uh, in a bathtub. Does that make sense that you're going to shave in a bathtub with no mirror? Um, you know, and you have very uh, delicate hands in an operating room with precision, but then you slit your own throat. Michael Aquino ended up uh, living in that home and uh, being in that home for the rest of his life. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of like spooky intergenerational people love to use that term intergenerational, but like the Aquinos, there's just like some straight up spooky intergenerational stuff going on there. And there's two groups that actually have it as a, as like little like ritual, like uh, was it's like things you suffer. If you go, if you talk about, you don't talk about Fight Club. You don't walk over here and tell people about Fight Club. You don't reenact Fight Club. So they have like basically like these these um, punishments. The one for talking about Freemasonry or about the Mormon Church is that you would slit your throat. It's one of the oaths that you take. 
That's the first one in both of them. They're literally just carbon copies of each other. It's kind of interesting that this guy, you know, who's trying to get rid of babies and get in trouble about it, who's a famous surgeon, you know, just just doesn't sit well with me. I think there's I smell smoke there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he said not this one, but Aquino was the right one. But with that, guys, uh, I think we're at a good spot. Uh, let let people, let my audience know where they can find you at. We'll start with you, Mortis, and we'll finish you, Dan. I'm just uh I'm just on X, dude. Uh, I don't really. I was I'm supposed to get around to to building up my YouTube channel and actually start doing some content, but uh, I'm uh it's been one thing after another, and it's it's not the time right now to do it. I'm getting close to it. I mean, you know, probably start. I'm a I'm a musician too, so I'll probably do some like some some song covers and stuff and maybe put out some original content on that because i have a couple of bands i'm working on um when i have time <laughs> you know so it is what it is but uh yeah just just on x for now at uh at i believe it's just at j mortis yeah yeah i think so yeah j underscore yeah. mortis mm-hmm. and i am on uh youtube and instagram rotting jewels all one word and dana duda on twitter so come and find me all right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. This was fun. Uh, talked about a, a lot of shit, <laughs> a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but with that, uh, we are out of here. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Tower Gang Jose on Twitter. Uh, also, you know, this is on YouTube. It's on all, all the audio podcasters. Rumble as well. I'm not. I'm still undecided whether this will be on Rumble or not. Uh, or only on Rumble, but definitely should be following me over on Rumble and not on YouTube because YouTube sucks dick. Uh, But with that, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that stuff. We are out.